Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, April 12th. Happy Travel Tuesday out there, and uh, happy National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day if you love a good grilled cheese. I know I do. It's also National Colorado Day, so shout out to all the people in Colorado listening to this. So we've, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, we'll be talking big travel news and luxury travel trends. Uh, speaking of luxury travel, though, all my travel advisors out there, be sure to sign up for next week's Luxury Travel Expo. The two-day virtual event will take place live on April 20th and 21st from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, and it features insightful panel discussions, interviews, and live webinars, in addition to awesome prizes, including a free stay in Las Vegas. You can register at virtualtravelevents.com. And now joining me on the show today is Nick Pena, luxury travel advisor with Cruise Planners. Welcome to the show, Nick. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Hi, Eric. I'm Nick Pena. And uh, I have been with Cruise Planners, gosh, it's going to be almost eight years now. And I specialize in the luxury travel space. And super excited to be here during this uh, crazy time for travel. Absolutely. Yes, it is a wild time indeed. Things are picking up. I know you are constantly busy, so I appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me on the show today. Uh, Nick and I are going to talk about uh, the latest uh, information and news and everything you want to know surrounding luxury travel later on in the show. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the airline news, uh, which kind of took the took the top spot um, in a lot of different news uh, over the last week. First up, uh, so this happened like an hour after I posted last week's episode. It was quite a surprise to receive a press release that JetBlue was going to make a compelling offer or had made a compelling offer to acquire Spirit Airlines. Uh, a few days later, Spirit said that they will consider it. They announced that they're, you know, engaging in discussions, which, I mean, duh, how could you not? It's a larger offer than what Frontier presented to Spirit months ago. So as part of the JetBlue offer, shareholders would acquire Spirit for $33 per share in cash, implying a fully diluted equity value of $3.6 billion. A lot of money there. So, Nick, um, your thoughts on this? Which way do you think Spirit should go? Frontier or JetBlue? I, was just this, uh, I thought it was just as interesting when I saw it as well. But look, I, I think at the end of the day, anything that's going to be, uh, if it truly is the end of the day, going to be better for the end user, for the consumer, for, for the travelers out there, that it's going to provide them with a, a bigger network, with more options, uh, then I think it's a good thing. I'm kind of uh, excited to see how it develops. Yeah, as far as if they, they decide to go with JetBlue. I know that there was some, you know, I don't want to say backlash, but there was some, you know, bite back, I guess, uh, from government too about like, should Spirit and Frontier join up on this? So now we've got the JetBlue offer, and they're going to engage in that. To me, I think it makes more sense to do Frontier because you've got that out west, you know, package that you could tie in with with everything. Like and the network and, is more complementary together that way. I yeah, agree. it does seem that way. But at the same time, you know, you got more money and money talks, you know, with JetBlue. But then again, <laughs> you know, Spirit and JetBlue have both had a lot of cancellations and issues over the last weekends, uh, past few weekends. So maybe they should figure out things on their own home front first before they try a merge. I, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, mergers and acquisitions, they, they come and go. It's a part of the industry. We've seen a lot over the last uh, two years, for sure, throughout the pandemic, as, you know, everyone has taken hard hits and, you know, doing what they can to kind of survive and power through. So, but that's what we're going to do on our end. You know, we're just going to power through and adapt and adjust as needed. And well, whatever happens, happens is kind of how I feel on that. I'm right, sure a lot I of people, yeah, a lot of people out there have different uh, takes on that too, along with the mask mandate. That is uh, one of the things a lot of people want to see go. Uh, unfortunately, we had um, the news actually yes yesterday, a big travel story that dropped on Monday. The White House said that they extending the mask mandate beyond the April 18th uh, deadline is, quote, a possibility. Um, 
The Biden administration's new COVID-19 response coordinator said, quote, this is a CDC decision and I think it is absolutely on the table, end quote. So, Nick, your thoughts on there? Well, my thoughts are, are those of my clients that ask me all the time, um, do I still have to wear the mask? Um, and I have actually a list of this is true story. I have a spreadsheet of people that have said when they lift the mask mandate and when I don't have to wear this mask again, call me. There's a couple of trips that I want to book. And so I'm only speaking on behalf of the people that I serve. Right. Uh, and they want to see it go away. Uh, and a lot of them say, look, you know, my, my, my wife, you know, for, because of X, Y, Z medical condition, she'll still have to wear a mask. And mm -hmm. so I think it should be something where it continues to be optional, uh, where it continues to be respected if somebody wants to wear it or, or needs to wear it for health reasons, but to give people that choice, you know, uh, just recently I was on a, uh, on a river cruise, uh, with, uh, all of the, uh, the top producers at cruise planners and coming back, I was on uh, British Airways. And I, for whatever reason, I didn't have my mask on as I'm going down the jet bridge. I was one of the first people to board the plane and I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh my God, where's my mask? And I'm scrambling through my bag, looking for the, and I'm coming down. I see the flight attendant at the door and I noticed nobody's wearing a mask. And I thought, I don't think they realize we've started boarding. They're probably going to have the same reaction I had. And when I get in, I realize nobody has a mask. And I said, oh, well, um, do we have to wear a mask? She says, no, so that's been lifted. Uh, and so it was so refreshing. And then I changed planes in London Heathrow. And when I got back on uh, on another airline, it was one of the uh, U.S. airlines, I had to put it back on and it was a little bit hijacking. So my answer is, I hope it goes away. I'm with you all the way on that. So we'll find out uh, hopefully sooner than later. I know the deadline is, you know, six days from from now. It's April 12th. So we'll we'll see what happens. They they did announce like a few days ahead uh, in March that it would be when it, when they extended it to April for a month. It wasn't on like the 11th hour type line like, right. uh, like I thought it was going to be. This time it might be, they might do it early. I don't know. I'm off work on Friday, so it's probably going to happen then because a lot of stuff likes to break whenever I take an off day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it should, should go away on this. I know that's interesting too. It's not a surprise that you said of a lot of people or say, hey, as soon as this ends, you know, call me and let's book a trip because I think a lot of uh, travel advisors out, out there are, are in the same boat with that and we'll, we'll see that uh, a wave of bookings happen as soon as that stuff gets lifted as soon as it's lifted for um, having yes. to take a test to arrive back into the United States once all that's gone the bookings are gonna skyrocket so um, I agree one thing that did sky speaking of skyrocketing if you will um, the FAA is seeking in nearly $160,000 in penalties against two passengers who disrupted flights last year this would be the largest fine ever so unruly passengers continue to be an issue and, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with that mask thing. So you, once that's dropped, you like to think that some of those will go down. Obviously the large number will reduce. I mean, we had like over 5,000 incidents in 2021, which was crazy high, uh, the highest ever. And I think that'll definitely go down, but there'll, there'll still be some issues because there are always issues. We've been covering the unruly naughty passengers for, for years now, but you know, this proposed bill of a no national, no fly list uh, that Congress had drafted legislation for. It's called the Protection from Abusive Passengers Act, Act, and it calls for a lifetime ban from commercial flights for the worst of the worst passengers uh, who are out there disrupting flights. So, Nick, this this story actually generated some interesting Facebook comments uh, from some and others uh, for it, others against it. So what do you think? Should there be a national no-fly list? I, for one, happen to agree with it 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I see the news, and it feels almost like every day now there's some clip or something going around on social media of some some crazy behavior on the plane from different people, and, and look, I get it. Uh, uh, times have changed. Uh, Anxiety is high. Uh, 
we're, we're all on the edge. And so I, I can understand that piece of it. But I think that the government has to send a strong message that enough is enough and they need to have these fines. I'd make it even higher to send a strong message to deter people from continuing with this behavior because it's disruptive, it's, uh, it's, it's wrong. It creates quite a havoc on the system too because every time this happens and they have to land the plane or they or people can't deplane because uh, the cops have to come on board to take somebody off. It disrupts the system. Now that flight is late, the people that are taking that plane next, wherever they're going, are now having facing it late. And it creates such an expense and such a disruption on the system that there has to be a strong message sent that enough is enough and this behavior will not be tolerated. 100% agree. Um, if it can help reduce the level of unruly passengers, you know, you, you got to do it. So I'm all for it on that. I think they're, you know, the stipulations of it and like the, of what constitutes, you know, how someone gets put on that list, where, where is the line, you know, that you can cross or you can't cross them. That's going to be all very confusing and how they work that out. And, you know, is it going to be a he said, she said thing a lot of times so that that's going to be confusing, but, and how they will work that out. But I do hope that, you know, they, they come to some common ground and, and, and get it going and figure it out. I know Delta CEO is a strong advocate for it too. So I'm with him on that. So that pretty much wraps up um, the airline sector news. We'll, we'll transition over to destination news. Although um, this past week uh, weekend was the five-year mark for United's um, doctor dragging dragging incident. If you remember that five years ago, they dragged oh the goodness, doctor. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, they dragged the doctor <laughs> off the plane, um, Dr. Dow, and it, well, he ended up getting like, well, allegedly like several hundred million dollars suing and stuff. But uh, yeah, it seems like we've come, you know, quite a long way where uh, maybe airlines aren't bumping passengers as much. They've, they've certainly learned from that, but now they're having to deal with all these unruly passengers. So uh, there's there's always something going on in, in the air travel news for sure. So in destination wise, uh, there are several destinations. We did a feature on this bouncing back from the pandemic in the strongest. You can check out the full list on travelpulse.com, but just highlight a few Mexico, the DR, Jamaica, Hawaii, Greece, uh, Italy, just a few that are uh, seeing really good high returns on travel coming back. Uh, additionally, we had new data from Forward Keys that shows that um, Africa and the Middle East is rebounding well in tourism. So, Nick, is that in line what you're seeing with, from your clients, too? Is there interest in Africa and the Middle East or anything in Asia? It is, uh, particularly in the, in the luxury space, I would say I am seeing an uptake in Africa, but it's more people planning far ahead, 23, 24, expressing an interest now to start to plan and start to deposit. But in the shorter term, the same with Asia. Um, but, uh, well, the Middle East, though, I mean, I, I've never sold so much Middle East. Uh, so it has just been uh, so bizarre to me uh, coming out of this pandemic where, I've, I mean, just uh, when I hang up with this, my next uh, Zoom is uh, clients uh, that I'm uh, – Turning, we're, we're turning documents in closer into travel now just to account for any schedule changes with the airlines and whatnot. Uh, and so I actually have a, a call this afternoon for somebody that they're leaving. They're going to Israel and I have their documents and we're just going to go through it's a you know tailor-made uh, kind of private guided package. And then uh, tomorrow I have another call in the morning for a, a new family that wants to go to the Middle East as well. I'm seeing lots of the, the Emirates, uh, more than I've ever sold uh I, I'm not sure I can pinpoint why it's happening, but for some reason, I would definitely say that it's uh, it's a hot spot. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's available. So I think there's enticing of, of that. And also, you know, Asia is uh, still slowly opening. So I think a lot of people maybe turning their sights to some different destinations that maybe lower on their list, but have bumped up and, you know, that there's our luxury options in both of those regions. So that could be a contributing factor too. And I, I, availability is probably the the 
the big factor in that one. So yeah, I would say the fact that, and you know, and I know like I've done a lot with the Emirates lately, they've done such a good job of making the communications clear, concise. It's very easy to understand uh, who can get in, who can't, what are the requirements there? There, there aren't many. Uh, and so uh, it's not a surprise that you know, that destination is also booming. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many calls I get and they say, you know, I, I don't think we were accounting for, there's still a segment of the population that doesn't have, you know, all of the vaccinations or whatnot. And so that those people will also call sometimes and say, Hey, I'm not fully vaccinated. Where can I travel? And then there's another sub segment of people that are fully vaccinated, but don't have the booster or haven't gotten a third one that will say, I don't know that I'm going to get another one given my vaccination status, where can I travel? And so that a lot of times guides their decision to go to some of these places, uh, you know, in Asia or the Middle East, because they only have the, the two. They don't know they're going to get a third one. So they know they can go here. So they're going to jump on that bandwagon. So that plays a huge role as well. Definitely. Yeah. So there, there are thir- nearly 30 destinations right now that have fully dropped COVID restrictions to uh, be able to enter into the country. Mexico was the first, though. You know, they were on very right. quick on that and very welcoming to everyone uh, back in 2020 and said, yeah, we're open, come here, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And they're, you know, seeing a great return on tourism in that. But the uh, popular Quintana Roo region, which is where Cancun, Riviera Maya is, they have uh, got some new issues um, potentially impacting tourism. The Mexican Navy is sending more ships to collect sargasm in Quintana Roo. Uh, and now hotel guests will have to sign a form acknowledging a new drug law uh, to um, once you get to your hotel and basically acknowledging that you will not purchase drugs, uh, while there. And then if you are caught with drugs while there, they can kick you out of the resort and no refund allowed. Um, so Nick, sargasm has been an issue that has uh, impacted travel in the, the area, uh, for, for some time recently, uh, the, uh, can be extremely stinky and can also kind of ruin those beautiful views that travelers love to see from their balconies at the resorts. So does the sargasm come up with your clients at all when you're selling Mexico and how do you best, uh, combat that? And then with this, this drug, uh, form, do you think that will, uh, help the recent drug related issues in Cancun, uh, Riviera Maya region? Do you think people actually follow through on this? I'm curious your thoughts on, on both of those. The sargasm, we'll start with that. Uh, it does come up. Uh, Mexico's one destination that, uh, and, you know, with me being in Florida, because it's close to us and it's accessible, and most of my client base is also in Florida, I do sell a lot of Mexico. I love Mexico. I could go to Mexico every day. Um, uh, but I don't shy away from the conversation about the sargasm, whether they bring it up proactively or not. Um, especially in the in the luxury space um, that I work with, you know, these people are making a significant investment to stay at some of these top tier properties. And so you want to be candid, you want to be honest, because I mean, that's going to, that makes the distinction between that luxury advisor that, that, that has a more holistic full circle approach to, to their vacations and their travel uh, than, uh, than not having that discussion where if they were purchasing maybe from an online travel agency, uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't know, right? They wouldn't have access. They wouldn't have that that insight. And so I don't shy away from the conversation. Um, I talk to them about it. Um, I'll sometimes will reach out directly with the property. Um, you know, if I have a relationship with them or I know there's incredible sources, say, how is it looking? You know, um, lately, what are you seeing out there? I ask my clients as they're traveling, can you take a picture of the beach and send it to me when you're back there, uh, just to kind of get an idea from my own eyes to see how it's going. Um, and so I just I let them know that what's happening. Some of them don't know what sarcasm is, so I find an article or something to send them. But I don't shy away from it. And and most of the time 
you know, Mexico, these resorts, they're doing an amazing job. They're bringing in the Navy ships. Some of the resorts are collecting on their own. They have tractors out there in the morning. They're, you know, so they're really doing the best that they can to try to manage the situation. And so what I find is most of the times the clients, even though I'm proactive in having that discussion, will be pleasantly surprised when they're there because they're doing such a good job to mitigate it. And it's not everywhere in the area. And so I, I'd rather personally, I'm a big believer in having the discussion, letting them know that that risk exists and then having them be pleasantly surprised if it doesn't affect them rather than having them get there and having them have that issue and saying, oh my gosh, why didn't he tell me? Smart. And as far as the drug form, um, I, I, I'm... It's. I mean, this stuff is happening. We see it on the news. I mean, I I, I personally think of it as being so safe because I've gone there. I've never experienced any of these things personally or around me, but I do know that they're real and I'm not shying away from them. Um, but I, I find it generally to be an incredibly safe uh, destination if you if you if you follow guidelines, if you stay within your resort or you go within the tourist areas for the most part. Do I think that this would help? I think so. I mean, there's still that subset that engages in these activities. Uh, and um, which I think is a shame. And uh, maybe something like this might send a message and say, hey, you know, we're not playing games anymore. You've been warned. Uh, and I may discourage some people from engaging that behavior. So, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, it could be a good thing. I mean, they've already put up, you know, images um, in the airport and stuff showing like people in prison or like saying you can um, go cold or whatever if you insinuating that you could die, you know, from taking illegal drugs and things like that. So, I mean, it's certainly aimed at the, you know, spring break party years. That's when they, I think they see the most issues, but you know, right. I think it's kind of geared more towards like the hotel zone in Cancun and, and that, you know, crowd that is where more of the party stuff can be. And, you know, you go onto the beach or whatever, some guy might come up to you and, you know, first show you cigars, but you know, he's also hinting at other drugs and stuff and trying to get you to, yeah. to talk I, about I, that conversation. It happens. Uh, I commend the, uh, the Mexican for, for taking swift action, realizing that there's a, an uptake lately and trying to find solutions, including this form. And so personally, I'm all for it. Um, I'll sign it <laughs> and I'll encourage yeah. my clients to sign it as well. Definitely. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing that. My, my thing on this whole issue right here is, you know, I hope that they are, I think this is good. You know, it puts some, you know, pressure onto the guest and saying, hey, you know, don't do this. We're cracking down on this, you know, with you, the guest. But I also wonder, and I really hope that in turn, Mexico is also cracking down on trying to get those guys off the beach and getting them away from the tourist areas so that there isn't the, you know, temptation for, you know, some of those partiers to go and buy that stuff off, off the people off the beach or whatever, or in, in the town or, or anything like that. And obviously, you know, some people should bring their own and maybe this will, you know, deter them from that and, and everything. So you, you hope that there's positive aspects of this, but also that, you know, they are cracking down on their own areas too, and their own, um, residents as well. So well, anything can happen anywhere at any time. Absolutely. There's nothing that I can do as the travel advisor necessarily to prevent that because that's just what it is. But I think that this is where um, we as travel advisors really play a, a role as advisors, um, particularly in the luxury space to understand. So if you have a customer where you know that the safety and security might be a larger concern than the other, working with that travel advisors um, it is really such a benefit to them because we're out there, we're on the fam trips, we know these properties, we, we escort our groups for there. And so um, there's one particular property I work with a lot that's one of the few that actually has a private beach at the end of that hotel zone. And so for somebody very worried, doesn't mean something can happen, but it's a lot less likely because it's a private beach. And so having that uh, deep understanding of the properties, of our partners there, and then knowing that customer, uh, deep customer understanding 
the travel advisor can then play such a pivotal role in maybe picking a property that might be more suited for them, even from the safety front. Absolutely. Yes. I'm uh, always a huge advocate of making sure that you are booking your trips with a travel advisor. I say it every week. So that is another key factor and a good bonus to why you should be working with an advisor. They can help guide you in so many different ways. So um, that wraps up uh, the destination stuff. I'm going to quickly get to the cruise stuff as we're running longer on time. Um, uh, cruising has finally returned to Canada, which is great news, and Hawaii as well. The Norwegian Cruise Line came back, and they, they are back in Hawaii on that mix. I'm going to have a rider there next month, so I'm really excited for uh, my rider Claudette on that. And then Royal Caribbean, they uh, revealed a new name for their next new world's largest cruise ship. It's going to be called Utopia of the Seas. They just debuted uh, Wonder of the Seas, like, or uh, a month ago, and now uh, they're already, you know, coming out and saying, hey, we're going to have a, another world's largest cruise ship. They also, uh, Royal Caribbean said they set a company booking record, so business is booming for them in the, on the cruise side. So, Nick, just real quick, you know, do you think sh- cruise ships are being built too big? I know you're with Cruise Planner, so you do a lot of cruising. Um, what's your thoughts on that? No. Uh, I, I mean, the innovation that's coming from our industry is really commendable. The product uh, that are launching, the fact that despite... Uh, coming out of this pandemic that we're seeing you know this amount of new ships being built still and they're sticking firm to their order books i think it's fascinating i think that um are they too big for some people yes and i do have some of those customers that say you know what and the good news is that same industry is innovating in the small ship sector as well and they're coming out just as fast and so the cruise industry is really giving something for everybody so that we can meet each passenger where they're at based on what their needs are. Uh, most of them are gonna want that big ship and are gonna be okay with it. And those that aren't, there's a beautiful, brand new innovative ship coming out that's for them as well. And so um, I think of all the travel sector, this is one where they really offer something to meet everybody where they're at. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And, and it's one of different, a different take than we've had on the, on the show here when I've asked that question before to other guests. So me personally, I think that, you know, I don't think they need to go any bigger than what they're doing right now. And if they do want to continue, you know, the moniker of world's largest cruise ship, because, you know, it does, it entices people. It gets clicks, it gets clicks for us, which is great, you know, and, and people are, you know, intrigued by it for sure and want to see what it looks like and all that good stuff. But, you know, I would like to see them if they're going to do that, maybe a lower on the capacity levels on that and maybe just expand upon like the balcony, uh, the, the standard room, make that a little bigger. So it's a little more spacious, you know, and then you could still play around with the prices on that. So that's always been my kind of take on that. But it was interesting to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, there there are so many different options when it comes to cruising. I will say before we leave from cruises and we're going to rush, the most important messaging I think that that I can say to to, uh, consumers and to the travel advisors is we, you know, the the, book, book it now. And I tell my clients, so I am not a high pressure at all, but when it comes to cruising now, I'm really encouraging them. If you want something, especially markets like Hawaii, Canada, that are so desired right now because they weren't available, I'm seeing an uptake in pricing. So in the interest of the customer, if they want to book it, now is the time. Book it now. A lot of these deposits are refundable. Place that deposit because the prices are definitely going up big time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing it every. We're seeing it everywhere around the travel industry. The, the higher prices and the cruises has kind of been that one sector of over the last maybe three four months here that has been. You can find better deals and everything, but eventually that's going to go away because you know more yes. and more places are opening up and stuff. So that's going to be good, you know, for and the industry the as well. CDC has uh, yeah pretty much taken away all the requirements, and uh, you know, cruising is uh, is back and it's safer than ever. 
100% agree on that. So that wraps up what has been trending in travel. A lot going on. A lot that we didn't even get a chance to touch on as well. So be sure to check out TravelPulse.com for all the news that you want to know in travel. Uh, any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at TravelPulse.com. So now we are going to jump into the theme of this week's show and what is trending in luxury travel. So Nick, I kick it to you. What is trending in luxury travel right now? Tell us. There's a couple of things. I would say the biggest thing that I'm finding based on, on, on my customer base, um, which is a, a definitely a luxury customer, is uh, privacy is the new luxury. And so I'm seeing such an uptake in um, chartering uh, private jets. Uh, and even those customers that aren't typically that, that the customer that, you know, not everybody charters to jet, right? <laughs> but now even some of those customers that are, you know, that they are, they're affluent, they do uh, nice expensive trips, but they don't, you know, they fly first or business class, but don't necessarily charter a jet. Even some of those are more inclined to say, you know, um, well, you know, there's six of us. How much would it cost if we, if we went uh, a private, can you, can you send that to us on the side so we can compare? Um, so, and then you think, well, these products are expensive. Um, and then you go shop for them and they're sold out or not available, or you have to beg them to, to sell you a jet, charter you a jet because they're just not available because privacy is the new luxury. So um, uh, a lot of the large cruise lines, the ship within a ship complexes, you know, where the, the, the top of the ship is private and more exclusive. I'm seeing such an uptake in those kinds of bookings. Um, uh, the, the private jets, villas, you can't find one. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of agents that will reach out to me or text and say, hey, do you have a, um, another villa partner that maybe I haven't tried? Or, or do you have any contacts for a villa in Jamaica or Costa Rica and all these different reasons, even in Europe? Um, they're going fast. Um, they're desired because people want to have, still coming out of the pandemic, um, uh, want to have that privacy. They want to have that exclusivity. Um, and you still have, like we talked about earlier, there's just some people that maybe aren't fully vaccinated, but now they can travel but they still want to you know, be away from the masses. And so they want to have that private villa, or they want to have that suite on the top of the ship that's uh, far removed with a private restaurant away from the rest. And so I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, that I would say the number one trend now is privacy and how that privacy is really the new luxury and people are willing to pay for it. So make sure that you're offering it. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise on that front, especially just how things have shaken out over the last two years with the pandemic. Then I think that could be a trend that remains, you know, five years from now, what is luxury travel going to look like? I think a lot of people are still going to be focused on let me have my own space away from everybody else. Let me get my private. A lot of world yeah, cruises too. I would uh, say yeah. it will be a second longer journeys. And a lot of people have a lot of money saved up. Uh, because they haven't been able to travel. And so now they're looking to check off that list to do that bucket list item. And I've been finding some of my premium customers that aren't necessarily in the luxury customer bucket. But now, you know, these premium customers are saying, you know what, we're going all out, Barb and I, because we haven't traveled in two years and we're getting older and we just want to get out there. We're, we're going all out on this trip, Nick, so don't hold back. Uh, and so I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, and, you know, not everybody during the pandemic uh, um you know, had the misfortune that, you know, that somebody like myself had where I literally couldn't work for a long time because there was, you know, no travel. Uh, but some people, you know, that, that have in healthcare, et cetera, you know, they, they stayed working. And uh, and so so they didn't have that loss and they have all this money from their vacation fund put away and they're ready to use it. And so um, they're ready. They're ready. They're eager. They're excited to use it. And so a lot of bucket list items, world cruises. I've never found myself quoting as many of these long 190 night, 60 night voyages as I am now, because I have uh, even younger uh, passengers now are more are contemplating them more. 
Wow. That's, uh, that's remarkable too. That's really great for you and, and the industry as well. So, I mean, um, very exciting times. Yeah, indeed. So, but you know, luxury though is of course subjective to, you know, who is paying and how they, how they view luxury it means different things for different people, obviously. But one thing we know for sure when it comes to luxury travel though, is that celebrities fall into that true luxury travel. They're all about it. Sure um, so you do work with some, and I'm not going to ask you to name any client names, although <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome to do so, but you are, you know, maybe drop any hints for our listeners if you want to. But um, can you tell us, you know, what, what is it like working with a celebrity client? It's fascinating, even though sometimes they drive me crazy. But I would <laughs> say the number one thing with them, and, you know, when, I, when, I, when you find out from their staff and the people that surround them is, um, you know, maybe what happened or who used to book their travel before I came along. And most of the time, it wasn't that they were dissatisfied with the work this person was doing, but it was more the lack of privacy or where they felt like their privacy wasn't being respected. And so I learned that early on that that seemed to be a common trend, why there was a change and now they're using me. And so to make sure that I always keep that uh, uh, as part of my, one of my core values of integrity, to make sure that that you absolutely keep that privacy, um, you know, at the top, because it's very important to them. And these people have no privacy. Uh, it's even hard to talk to them, uh, to get through. There's all these people making decisions for them. Um, some of them, you're booking a massage for them at a resort, and somehow it just ends up where we'll just pick something. Well, maybe that's not what they wanted. And then they get there, and then I'll ask the hotel, how did it go? They say, well, it's okay, but Mrs. XYZ didn't really want a honey scrub. She hates honey. <laughs> who, who booked that for her? I go, well, that was me. Uh, because I didn't know. I thought, well, this sounds nice. You know, and so... So, so much of their life is run by other people. And so even their own private relaxing time when they're on vacation is still influenced by all these people that are around them that maybe work for them uh, or somebody like myself that's entrusted to make these decisions. And so um, one of the learnings I have is the privacy piece. The second one is uh, learning that unlike other customers where, you know, like the customers I have this afternoon to follow up on their uh, Middle East trip, you know, it's the husband and wife, it's two couples. I'm going to be on Zoom with them going over the agenda for the final time. I'm dealing with the customer directly. When you're dealing with the celebrity customers, you rarely speak to them. They call you when they're in the car. They call you when they're in that jet you chartered and they say, oh, it's lovely. Thank you. What happens when we get there? What's, what's the name of our butler? Uh, and you may get to speak with them randomly. But the, the main decisions, the, the quoting process is all with their executive assistant, with their, you talk to their finance person. Uh, and so there's so many other people that are involved in working with them. So it makes it a longer, more arduous process, uh, but it can be very rewarding and very fascinating. These people are very creative, typically. They have all the money in the world. And so you'll have all sorts of uh, crazy requests uh, that I've had before uh, that would only come from a celebrity type client, you know? <laughs> oh, do share. What is a, what, what's one that well, stands example, out? For example, I had one, they were doing a, um, a cruise on one of the major contemporary cruise lines. And um, we had, uh, they wanted, uh, you know, the cruise lines all have their private islands and you can purchase the villas or whatever. And so they said, oh, um, well, how many villas do they have? I said, I don't know. I think there's like 40 of them. I'll, I'll get an exact number. Get all of them. Well, we couldn't exactly get all of them because the cruise line said, well, we want to leave some for our other guests as well. And so things like that, I'm like, well, um, put a price on it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then, but again, it's so evolved because then it took going back, going through my BDM, going, it, it went all the way up to the VP um, of the company to, to get the approval process. How many villas can we take? How do we section it off? Um, I had another one. Uh, at another private island who uh, had a couple of villas that we grouped together and was celebrating a child's birthday party and wanted to have a bounce house. 
So we had to get the permit to board the, this pre-COVID, board the bounce house on the ship. And I'm thinking, Al, never going to pull this off. And we made it happen. And have that wow. at the island. Where's the electricity going to come from? How are we going to do this? Is there a permit? How much does this weigh? How do we get it on uh, the pallet to get out of the ship? It was insane. But uh, I think that if you're persistent, if you leverage the relationships, if you push and push and push, uh, you can get these uh, things. And, and that's why they come back, because they know that no request is too crazy. And I will push as hard as I can to make it happen. I love that. That's the beauty of travel advisors, too. They they make shit happen, you know. Um, yeah. I love that. And you, it's interesting, too. You know, you have to build a trust with like a team instead of just one person um, so that, you know, because these these people on the celebrities team are going to be talking about you to that celebrity. And, you know, you've got to be able to build that trust and relationship with so many more people than you're probably used to. So that that's fascinating. I appreciate the the insight and, and the look into that because that so much. Of, there's one more, and yeah, it's yeah. how they you know that with the, the the financial piece because they're putting their trust in you solely, and so you've a lot of decisions. I you go through the circle of people that are around them, and you can't get an approval. And I've got to get in this transfer, and it's uh, I don't know, it's uh, seven hundred and fifty for the bulletproof limo, or it's a thousand to have that same limo with a, a um, decoy in front and behind it. Uh, and so and nobody will answer me. Do we go with option A or B, for example? The vendor's saying, today's the last day, because otherwise we have to commit this vehicle somewhere else. We only have two of them in our fleet. What do I do? You can't get, sometimes you have to make those decisions and it's not my money, but, but the, my customers all know that at the end of the day, integrity is top of mind. I'm gonna have their best interest. And if I really legitimately believe that due to the security concerns at that location, that option B might be better, even though it's a thousand and not seven fifty. I'm going to make that decision because I'm entrusted to do so. And so it, it's always making sure that you're making sound decisions. That if asked, I can say, "Well, here's why I went with this." In the case that it was the more expensive option, uh, and they know that at the end that that I'm going to be making those sound decisions with their interests at heart and not mine. Kudos to you for powering through on that. That sounds like a lot. So uh, one place, you know, that celebrities frequent often is hotels, though. So what do you think makes a hotel or resort a true luxury property, uh, both in, here in the U.S. and internationally? I love that question because like, it goes so many different ways. And so luxury sure, yeah. is so personal, right? What mm -hmm. does luxury to me might be different than you. But uh, but even when sampling with my customers, like for me, like I love room service. So if I get there and room service is not offered or it's limited menu, I'm like, I don't know about this place. Five stars. Who gave this place five stars? <laughs> Because that's what's important to me, right? Because I work yeah. for my room, so I've got to be able to be, eat in my room if I can't make it downstairs. And so it's so personal. But um, what I'm seeing uh, in the luxury space uh, consistently is a, a, a little bit of a shift or, or repeat business to places where the service is really high. Um, the, the service, I think, is playing more. People are more on edge now uh, uh, coming out of this pandemic. Uh, everything's a little bit different, the dynamic. And so I feel like that high level service is playing an even bigger role. And, and, and even within the five star space, you'll find that there are different uh, levels of this uh, really high service. And so I'm finding that a lot of these properties that uh, and, and some of them maybe are a little bit more dated, right? Because we know that we visit them, we, we work with them all the time uh, or not as innovative as this property that might be newer, more flashy. But the service here is so good. I find that a lot of people are shifting to where, or, or, or they'll tell you, a lot of my really high-end clients will say, we're just exhausted. You know, these people are CEOs, they own companies, they're, they're senior level executives, they, they work so hard and they're like, we just want to be treated nice. <laughs> where can we go that the staff is going to be great? Where can we go that they're going to, that they're just going to um, pamper us? Where are we going to go where we're not going to even have to think about what we want? You know, service that's anticipatory. 
Uh, and so I'm finding a, a more of a shift to where that's always been important, but I'm finding now that's playing an even bigger uh, space in people's decisions as to where they're going to go or, or leaving it up to me to say, well, if you have to pick between these three properties you propose to me, which one of them is going to have the better service? And so, and when I think about myself outside of the room service, uh, uh, the service to me is really important. And I always remember that, um, or I'll be going on a fam or I'll be going on my own personal vacation somewhere. And I'll drive by that hotel on the transfer that I stayed at last time, but the service is really good. And I'll look and I'll think, man, I hope this next place, they treat me as good as they did there because you never forget. Absolutely. Yeah. The service can stay with you for, for a very long time. And it does help in uh, getting repeat business for a lot of those hotels and, you know, uh, the, the Butler service for the all-inclusives out there. They have certainly been busy over the last uh, year and a half here um, as all-inclusives have been very popular, you know, post-pandemic, um, whatever you want to call it here. So no surprise on that front. For me, it's always, and you mentioned room service. I'm, I'm with you on that. I do love a good room service. I have food is, is my number one thing. So uh, I love to judge a place on its room service. Um, very hard. So, uh, but what about what about cruising? Though I mean, you're with cruise planners, so um, how luxurious how luxurious uh, excuse me can cruising be? You know who stands out here in the industry, or does each line really do it differently? You know, they each do it differently, and they they each have a different piece of the pie. And again, luxury is subjective, and uh, and, and the cruise industry I think really again does such an, an incredible job at meeting everybody where they're at. And if we're going to segment and say, okay, well let's the let's meet the luxury customer where they're at. So you've got the adventure, uh, you've got the exploration ships that are coming out now that are just amazing, brand new, super technologically advanced. I mean, things that 10 years ago we couldn't even imagine would be built, some of these uh, uh, vessels, and yet we have them today or they're coming and they're in the pipeline. And so there's something for that uh, consumer. Um, there's something for that uh, contemporary line consumer that's got you know, the family and the kids. And so, yes, they think that uh, you know, a silver sea or a seaboard is uh, unquestionably something fabulous, but that's not really appropriate for them because they have the kids. Well, now they can go on the contemporary lines and they, you know, on a Norwegian, on an MSC, and they can sail on the yacht. They can sail in the Haven and have that five-star experience, have a butler, have a, a, a breakfast, to have tea served to them by the butler with the white gloves, you know, and they can still have that experience. So it's really an industry that comes full circle, especially for that luxury consumer and having different products, different brands with different uh, elevations of that brand to meet them exactly where they're at. And that's where, again, having a, a professional travel advisor really comes into play to help these consumers navigate across the spectrum and what's available. What is ultimately going to be the best option to meet the customer's needs? 100% agree on that. I think cruise lines, it's like close to 70%, maybe a little over of all cruise bookings are done through travel advisors. So to that other 30%, what are you doing? Like you're missing out on, on a lot of things, uh, a lot of benefits by not booking with that. There's still real quick, there's still that misconception sometimes that comes and say, well, you know, um, uh, how luxurious can it be or or they're not really that that luxurious. And that uh, may have been the case before, but certainly not now. I have been on some very premium uh, products where where I've yet to stay at a hotel that offers uh, such a high level service. And culinary, I mean, you're talking about celebrity chefs now being on board uh, for these specialty restaurants, uh, uh, butlers trained by the British Guild. Uh, uh, not only now before you said, oh, you get the, the uh, really fancy, uh, you know, uh, amenities in the room by, uh, you know, Hermes or whatever. Well, some of them now you have a menu, you can pick Hermes, you can pick Luxaton, you can pick your brand. And so they, they keep uh, adjusting to the consumer trends 
They keep making it more customizable all the way down to, well, what soap or shampoo am I going to use today? Uh, Where your butler can provide you an option of a pillow menu, a scent menu. How do you want your room to smell? What time do you want your breakfast delivered? Uh, Do you want caviar and creme fraiche on your omelet in the morning? And so those options are available and it, it really is the ultimate luxury. Wow. Yeah, you've you've sold me on all this. Now I just need to check my <laughs> bank account and see if I can afford it. But uh, I mean, that's it's all that's what luxury travel is, is continuously innovating and elevating that experience to the next level and continuing and continuing and continuing to do that. So it's really going to be interesting to see where things are in the luxury travel space, you know, five years from now on that. So uh, last question here as we are running out of time. Um, what advice would you give to fellow travel advisors out there who are looking to book more in the luxury space and, and, and break into that? Um, niche market? Well, I'd say a couple of things. The first thing is what I always say, which is don't be scared uh, uh, to niche. And does it doesn't mean that you're going to now just label yourself uh, luxury only. But I think there's, you know, a lot of, because uh, it happened to me, you know, you, you're, maybe if you're starting out or you don't have that many years in or, or for years you've been around, but you've focused kind of like this mass market and you think, well, I don't want to close myself off to that because I, you know, I'm, I'm making some sales and, and that's great. But you do want to start to, to brand yourself a little bit more as a luxury travel advisor. And so how do you do that? By, by letting them know the promotions that you're sending by email. And that's okay to send the newsletters from your agency or consortium, but are you sending a luxury version of that as well? Are you highlighting on your social media maybe some luxury properties or cruise lines mixed in with some of the other content that you're doing? Um, what do you look like? See my little vest uh, sweater here? <laughs> What's your image? Uh, how are you presenting yourself out there to the customer? Do you look luxury? Do you look put together? All of these things I think play a role uh, in that, in kind of that, that branding and sending that message that you are a luxury advisor. Um, you know, most of us do fam trips. If you're not, uh, fam trips for me, I always tell people it's uh, the number one for me is social media and the fam trips because I leverage the fam trips to post them there to let people know not only do you experience the property, but you get to share with the world what that experience was. Where am I going? So sometimes I'll get invited on a fam trip or somewhere and I'll think, I don't know, would this be the best use of my resources and my time? Is this property aligning with my vision of becoming a luxury trouble advisor? I don't know. What other options are there that I could go maybe if I'm budgeted for a fam for the end of, uh, you know, July? Is there something maybe that's more in line with luxury that would help me experience it? You know, you've got to experience it in order to sell it. I I mentor somebody and he's like, well, do they really need the butler? What does the butler do anyway? And I said, listen, you need to get on a fam to a property that has a butler so you can experience that. And that's okay. This person's new, right? Um, You have to live it and breathe it so that you can sell it. You have to have visited some of these properties. You have to have stayed there and had that experience. It's going to give you the confidence to sell it. And, um, and, 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 and I think that the, the branding has a lot to do with it. It's letting your customers know. I always use the example of the first time I chartered a, a, a jet. Um, the customer had asked for it and I did it. I was so intimidated by the process. Uh, and then I thought, hmm, I guess there's people out there that are willing to pay for this. I wonder if I start proactively promoting that we can do the jets. And so many of them have said, I didn't know you could do that. Or remember that trip you did for us and I said, no air? It's because we chartered a jet on our own because we thought you didn't do it. We just called an 800 number from the internet. <laughs> we don't even know who these people are. And so it's offering it to not being intimidated by branding offering. So ever since then now, every once in a while, 
I'll do a mention or I'll put a picture up of, uh, you know, one of my clients on a chat or something where you don't see the faces, but you see the plane and say, so excited for my client XYZ who's taking this, uh, you know, whatever aircraft today to, to, uh, to the Caribbean, you know, and just little tidbits to let people know, hey, I'm in the luxury space. Uh, I think that will go a long way to drive the sales. Fantastic advice on there. Never underestimating uh, looking the part. For sure, that is key yes. uh, on that. So uh, I will say Nick is always looking fly. Uh, very stylish <laughs> guy here. So thank you so much. He is at Cuban Cruise Guy on Instagram. Give him a follow. Uh, anything else you want to plug or uh, your email or however people can get in touch with you? Oh, look for me there, Nick Pena. I'll pop right up on Facebook as well. It'll say award-winning travel advisor. And feel free to reach out to me. I mentor a lot of people. I answer questions. If you want to pick my brain for something, um, anything that I can do to help any of my peers, you know, that's what we're all here for. So please reach out to me. I love it when people reach out. Love it. Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate it. That is all the time we have on this week's episode. So uh, be sure to uh, subscribe, like all that good stuff. Uh, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.